At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You know, I got a pickup and a Lowe's card when I turned 16. It was free labor. You get caught up in, well, I don't know what I'm doing, or my dog's not good enough, or I don't know anybody, or whatever. I literally just showed up. My dad was actually shot with a 30 6 in the head. He's pretty much made a full recovery, which is a miracle. I mean, it was just incredible to watch a kid who goes to bed at night watching Rick and Ronnie Smith training videos. It blows on how many shotgun people are cattle people or horse people. You can waste a lot of time if your gear isn't easily accessible. Life is going to take you where you need to go, so you just got to be ready. This is Anna V with Anna V Outdoors, and you are listening to The Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. You and I and everybody listening to this owns 640 million acres. I think he killed more deer drinking his coffee, smoking a cigarette in the pickup truck than I did spending all that time freezing my butt off. Something that I would hope is that people realize that those are wild animals and they have savage natures. I look forward to packing animals out. I look forward to that pain of success. Doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter where you live. I've said it before and you know what? I'll say it again louder for the people in the back. Your present circumstance should not limit your passions. This is Jay Scott of the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Hey, this is Ryan Callahan. Hi, this is Jules McQueen. Hey everybody, Jason Carter here with Epic Outdoors. Hey guys, this is Tim Burnett with Solo Hunter. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative. Glad to have you all with me here today, and today I am excited to be talking with Anna V of Anna V Outdoors. Thank you so much for hopping on the line with me today. For sure. So I'm in uh, Palmer, Kansas at the BDC Nationals, and today is my break day before finals tomorrow, so it was really good to get my mind off off of focusing on tomorrow. I'm going to overthink it for sure. So, so what is, what are the, the BDC, tell me, what is that? This is the bird dog circuit. Okay. Um, I'm running dog, like a dog tournament this weekend. Um, I'm actually not running my dogs. I got sucked into the lab world over the last few months and, um, showed up to run a friend's dogs, um, Mike Vaughn with the blast wing shooting kennels out of Wisconsin. And I've just had some great rookie luck with his dogs and I was going to ride it out until it ended. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I imagine we will be getting into some, some bird dog stories uh, coming up. But one thing I always like to start out with is just a a quick introduction of, 
of who you are and uh, really how did you get introduced? How did you get your start in the outdoors and hunting and all of this? Well, I was raised in a outdoor family. We um, deer hunted and turkey hunted, but no one had a bird dog. And so um, just growing up, I was an only child. My family was in residential construction. You know, I got a pickup in a Lowe's card when I turned 16. It was free <laughs> labor, you know, so... Um, you know, and it was just that kind of thing. There was no separation of girls having their, uh, their things that they did and the guys did something else. I mean, my grandmother's in her eighties now, even though my grandfather's passed away, she would still go, uh, sit in a deer blind by herself, which of course we won't let her do that now, but, um, <laughs> we're definitely going to get in one last bird hunt before, uh, March 31st at a local preserve back home in Georgia. So, she still gets around great and thinks that, you know, she's still 50. So we're going to let her think that until she can't. Um, but, you know, we just raised to not think that girls can't do anything. So my dad, you know, hauled me to gun stores and everything else. So as an adult, I just didn't think anything about it until I started coaching other women about the separation. And then I was kind of blindsided that there was a separation because there just wasn't my entire life, you know, until I became an adult and really saw what society was about. So I just lived in my little redneck bubble, I guess, for a really long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so actually, I went to school for residential construction, and the market crashed. And I went back to grad school for, you know, one of those security jobs, and I was miserable. So I got to the end of grad school, and I thought, well, I could pay for another two more semesters and graduate, or I can just start a business and do what I want to do. So I quit. <laughs> <laughs> My mom about disowned me, but she gets it now. And um, I fell into, you know, teaching women pistol basics. I'm not really sure how that happened because I wasn't a big time pistol shooter, but somehow that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I made that connection with Glock that we talked about and, and did photo shoots with them and, and it really opened some doors. Oh, the connection with Glock was Georgia Bow. So I was brought in to be an instructor with Georgia Bow. And, and it was a, such a cool event. It was probably, I don't know, five, six years now. And maybe even seven. Jeez, I don't know. But we're telling our age, so we won't even talk about it. <laughs> um, and they, they sponsored the event. And they were just so supportive. Um, Megan is one of their sales reps. And she and I just hit it off. And so... We, we tried to tag team a little bit, but my heart was really in the hunting industry. So once I started hosting some ladies hunts over in Alabama, I had this core group and we just lived for road tripping. So there was one lodge that somehow they, they had met somebody on the high school softball team. So this lodge in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, um, Hamilton, Alabama, I think they have a huddle house and like a catfish place. That's like all they have there. Um, <laughs> they gave away a hunt to the softball team. And so that, as a fundraiser <clears throat> and somebody in town just told me that they were the nicest people in the world. So I called them up and Joe Williams is the owner. And I said, I'd like to host a ladies hunt there. And they'd never done that before. So they took a chance on us and I'll never forget pulling up the first time. <laughs> and we had like two trucks full of chicks, you know, pink coolers, the whole nine yards. And muck boots lining up the entire back glass, you know. <laughs> and they get, and we get there, and all the guides are there, and they're like, 
well, should we unpack y'all's truck? You know, I mean, they were just so hospitable, but they, they didn't know how to react us because they'd never had a group of women show up before. <laughs> so we all like piled the truck and we're like, yeah, we'll unpack the truck after we have a beer first. And after that, it was all good. They're like, okay, we're not going to have to like tote their guns and everything. <laughs> so we built such a great relationship with them and went back and forth. And they've actually added some upland and hosting some wing shooting um, at their place but I just haven't made it back over there for that so um, after that see I got suckered into a short hair but I didn't know what that meant I just thought they were cute and a buddy of mine was raising them and after five years I finally just gave in and got a dog <laughs> and that changed my life in, in many ways at first I thought I had just lost my mind and I didn't know what in the world I was going to do with it and so I sent it off to puppy camp took a break and then realized like what value that dog brought and what I could do with it and the versatility of it. And then um, I just landed with the right people to mentor me and, and show me like how those ropes went because it was just brand new. And I was not a shotgun shooter at that time, but ducks unlimited back home. I, I'm pretty involved with them and they wanted me to host a ladies five stand event. We have this really cool private farm at home with a gorgeous five stand. And I was like, heck yeah, like I've shot guns my whole life. Like I can do this. <laughs> it didn't work out that way. Um, so, you know, I mean, safety is one thing that I'm a parent and like highest standards. My dad was actually shot with a 30-06 in the head um, January 1st of 84 in a deer hunting accident. And he survived. Um, and and he has a super great testimony from it. A 30 out six to the head. It's yeah. Um, wow. He has a really cool testimony. So maybe one day, you know, I'll, I'll get to um, tell his story and have him showcase that. But yeah, so um, he's, he's of course come back to hunting and everything. I mean, he's, he's pretty much made a full recovery, which is a miracle, but he still has bullet in his head and still suffers, you know, from some, side effects from that accident but he lives a very normal life wait so, and so anyways, so the hold on a minute so the bullet is still in his head they couldn't remove it because of where it lodged that is i mean no no pun intended i'm like trying to wrap my head around this whole thing i know um, i know he's this is insane and he, and he lives with so much joy and he never let it stop him and um I mean, he's continued to hunt since, since, I mean, he had to learn to walk again and everything. So he literally just want like the outdoors motivated him to get back to his normal life. And so that was the life I was raised in. Like when, you know, that's anyways. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Now I forgot where I was oh, oh. with the dog. So, you know, I did, I never really just like loved, loved, loved deer hunting. Like I, I would go and I'd have such a great time with the girls, but it wasn't like I just lived for it. Um, now I loved turkey hunting, but then I had an issue and I got snake bits. And then I was like, well, I don't really want to be doing that anymore. You know, the paranoia <laughs> of getting snake bit doesn't go away. And then this dog just starts getting older, more mature. I start figuring out what I'm doing. And then I hosted that, um, the, the DU lady shoot. And even though like everybody was perfectly safe, we hardly hit any clays. So I went back to the DU boys and I said, if y'all want me to do this, like y'all just about outed me that I don't know what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> so find me you know? And so just some random referral, I landed my coach and that was back in um, 2016 masterclass shooter. I mean, he's a tax attorney. He doesn't do it full time, but he's just a whiz. And 
I, I was just so eager to learn and to be better. And it was just an instant addiction. So I was trialing my dog. Um, she was like two at the time, horrible shooter. I, mean, I had this green shares, like a firecracker and I wasn't a great shot. And I found this coach and I, and I started everything. Like we were talking about, you know, you, you get caught up in, well, I don't know what I'm doing or my dog's not good enough, or I don't know anybody or whatever. I literally just showed up. I was like, I'm the only chick here. I don't even care. I'm going to love this and I'm going to figure it out. And if it had not been for all these guys, Cheryl me mercy all across the country. I don't know. I mean, I guess I would just still be terrible. I probably wouldn't have given up, but, but they've coached me so many years and, and I've had so many mentors um, just take me to that next level. So I, I can't take any credit that this happened on my own. I just showed up, you know, and I, and I had the heart for it. But I, I ended up shooting with my coach like four or five days a week, at least 250 grounds a day. And I got really good, really fast. I, I just had the right training. You know, I mean, sometimes you can practice that hard and you not have the right coach and you not see the results. I mean, it was just pure magic. So I stuck out that sporting clay world and kind of picked that over the gun dog world just because like we've talked about, it was crazy to walk into industry events and be like, holy smokes, I didn't even know this existed, you know, and I love the outdoors and I love encouraging people to, to find out where they belong in this world because of how it transformed my life and what it's meant to my entire family. So, you know, I got sucked into that and kind of lost um, my priorities of wanting to stay in the gun dog world and, and get into training. And, um, and I moved more towards the shooting side because that's where I was investing my time. And that's where I felt like my confidence was, you know, cause I just still had a little puppy at home. And then, you know, I just kind of took the long way around the industry and tested out, you know, different avenues of it and found my way right back to the bird, to the bird dogs in like two years. And now I know why I'm here. I know that I'm capable of doing it. You know, my shooting instructor not only was a phenomenal coach as a, as a, you know, building me as a shooter because I shot tons of tournaments with him and, and, you know, I won my state title that next year, like the following year after I started shooting lessons with him. And I just had that feeling like that was really cool, but I'm just done, you know, and it, it never, it never was that same drive as I'm going to get in the truck tomorrow, like 3am and I'm driving to Kansas with four dogs or three dogs, whatever <laughs> I had at the time. And I can't wait to do it again. I just didn't have that same passion for that sport as I did with the bird dogs. And so you know, getting involved with the industry opened up so much opportunity too. Here I'm from Georgia. So we only have like our preserves and our plantation life, which I take so much pride in the traditions and, and what we stand for and the contributions that our region puts into the industry. However, you know, there was just so much more opportunity out there. And so I just took my time experiencing a little bit of everything so that I would, I mean, you're not going to regret it. You're not going to regret driving across the country hunting birds ever. <laughs> this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. 
Altacovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. There's one thing I've learned and I, I, uh, so I have this habit I've discovered of, I have an event say, you know, in, in this last year, it was in Wichita, you know, prior to that, I was going to visit some folks in Colorado and, you know, I, it would probably would have been cheaper for me to fly out and, and take a, take a lift in. But with a lot of these events, I've turned them into giant road trips, uh, yeah. Two years ago, it was 6,000 miles. It was all the Rocky Mountain states uh, over the course of three weeks. This year, it was six weeks long, drove 8,000 miles. And I think I hit 14. I can't remember if it was 14 or 17 states. And I hunted. I fished. I was out with friends. I recorded podcasts. And it was amazing. I love that too. I mean, when I got my truck, my, my first truck, the new one that I got in 2016, two years later, I was like, how in the world do I have 90,000 miles on this truck? Well, I'm going to start over. So I traded it in and got another one and 18. And now I'm over 50,000. I'm like, it's hard to get rid of them because you have so many memories in them, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on those road trips. I don't bad an eye at it. But you'll, I mean, you'll never regret making that choice to, to pick up and whether it's some, whether it's an opportunity comes up last minute for a hunt, you know, three States away, uh, you know, for you, it's, it's, it's wing shooting for other people, you know, they may have a buddy invite them out for deer camp or a hog hunt or whatever yeah, that have is. The flexibility to just keep traveling. Well, that's exactly how I ended up back in the traveling world. So I knew I was going to get back into bird dogs and I was trying to figure out what avenue, if I wanted to do testing or, you know, like where I wanted to go with, with the short hair thing. And so I was in South Dakota up at Redneck Nation, which is probably one of my most favorite events. Pheasant events for sure, hands down, favorite one. It's uh, in November every year. It's a team hunt. It's a competition, but that entire community just, it just makes memories of a lifetime. So that's something that I'm going to commit to for as long as I can go. Um, so I was up there and I ran into some trialing buddies that I didn't know were going to be there. And so um, in the, in the point world, well, they introduced me like to the rest of their friend group. And of course I didn't know any flushers because when you get to these trials I and mean, they can be really big, and the pointing people go in one direction and the flushing people go in one direction and you don't always cross paths. So um, that's when Mike told me that he had started a club up in Wisconsin and what bird daughter doesn't want to go to Wisconsin? You know, I've not been. So 
I was like, okay, that's going to be a great opportunity for me to, well, that's not true. I had been to Wisconsin, but just for a, um, and I went up in the spring, last spring to instruct a, a ladies group in the run NAFTA. So they have dogs that are super trained, ready to go, but they just didn't have the shooting skills to really maximize the potential with their dog. So they had me come up for that, which was a phenomenal thing. So I was thinking, okay, well, this will be great because I can get those women out into the field and coach them on that next steps, you know, this, this process of getting their confidence to match their dog. And, um, and it's a controlled environment too, you know? So I was like, definitely let's make this happen. So I got up there and the Georgia girl knows nothing about Wisconsin in the winter. Right. So we've got this big plan and everybody's super excited. And we've got all these women, you know, we've been talking back and forth for weeks and the blizzard hits and there's snow and nobody can go anywhere. And so I literally got stuck um, running day in, day out with him watching how he ran his kennel. And all along, you know, we have these end goals and we know like where, where we want to get, but the middle part is the fuzzy part. And so I kind of got stuck in um, that process of figuring out what that looked like and being able to take that time for myself and say, okay, you know, like this is really what I want to do and, and running the short hairs. And so because I got, because I stayed there because of the snow, I ended up running a trial with them and I had some really good rookie luck with one of his dogs. And so I got sucked back into it. And I was like, I went up a week early from Pheasant Fest because his place was only three hours away from Pheasant Fest because they hosted a trial there. So I could run the dogs again because we had already committed for me to come here. And I was like, okay, well, just because I did it once doesn't mean I can do it again. You know, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things when you're addicted to it and you love it, like you, it's so easy to make time for it, give it your best. And the one thing that I have found, this is my first BDC nationals. I've really only ran that one other BDC trial that they hosted in Wisconsin. And I'd already kind of known that Wisconsin crown. Of course, they're very welcoming and stuff, but I've traveled the country with a lot of different organizations. Um, promoting women in the outdoors. And I have to say, this is probably the most welcoming group of women. They, I don't know how long one of them's been running, but they are saying like four years they've been doing this together and they support each other and are cheering each other on. They're in the blind together, like giving pep talks. And it was so easy to walk in from an outsider and join these women and just be, you know, no matter what happens at the end of the day in the scoreboard, you know, everybody's going to support each other. So it was the first time that I really feel like I've encountered hardcore hunting women that can handle their own and, um, and support others. So I'm just thrilled to be here and find them because, you know, they're scattered all over the country. So until you make a commitment to come here and jump in the deep end of the pool, whether you're ready or not, you know, you can miss out on those really great relationships, you know? the road tripping thing is the key. You just got to make that commitment to get in the truck, right? <laughs> I think that's what it is. You know, you can, you can make all the plans you want, but uh, at some point you got to open that door. You got to sit your butt down in that seat and you got to hit the gas and, and just go. Um, yeah. Just accept that there's going to be a season of paying your dues and just enjoy it. Cause that's, what's going to give you the knowledge to help the next person. And so I just welcome it. I'm like, you know, it's going to be a roller coaster for a while. And I choose to enjoy it. You got to make that choice. It's not always going to be 
what you want, but you know, you got to go through it. So you might as well go through it with a positive attitude and get to the other side as quick as you can. Well, and the situation's never going to be perfect. There's, you know, we all, I think we all naturally want to feel like there's this clean, easy progression. And then you get to the point where you're like, okay, yes, now this is the point where I make that transition into doing this, whatever it is, this thing, whether it's a new job, whether it's hunting, whether it's, you know, starting a business, whatever that is, we want, we want it to be this nice, easy, even progression. And then a clean, safe switch. And it's never, I mean, one out of a, a thousand times that'll happen. Uh, and, but, and sometimes and you what just, fun would that be? exactly. <laughs> if there is no risk in life, where's the fun, you know, if That's there's right. no challenge. Um, and, and so often, yeah, you just have to take a chance and, and not be afraid to fail at something. And, and it's, I know. And I'll look back and think, I still struggle. If, if those boys had not put me on the spot, which I was never going to tell them no, <laughs> put me in this event that I definitely wasn't prepared for, but I didn't know, you know, I didn't know any different. Um, I mean, still those women call me all the time to go shoot. So, I mean, it was a, it made the impact for the purpose. You know, it still was a success, even though <clears throat> I wasn't as prepared as, as I could have been. But at the time you just don't know, you only know what you know in the moment. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and then that led to me getting a dog. I mean, literally bird dog and a shotgun changed my life. I, I changed everything to make this a, a, well, I mean, it wasn't intentional for it to be a career. It was intentional to be a lifestyle. And then I woke up one day and I was like, dang, this is all I'm doing. I better get serious. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, what I've found too is people have their hunting dogs and they're contributing to our lifestyle they're contributing to keeping hunting alive. They're contributing to keeping kids outdoors, keeping families together, building great friendships, you know, just the whole thing of, of our lifestyle that we appreciate. And in the same sense, they've got this dog that's a rock star in the field, and it's also their pet sleeping on the couch. And for a long time in our industry, you know, that was a big no-no. And they were, you're going to ruin your dog. I mean, I was told that when I first started you've ruined your dog. You know, I never put her in the crate. She rode shotgun and everything. And since then I've learned that was not the safest thing. I mean, who puts a baby in the front seat, right? I mean, no, you, put it in the car seat. So you need to put your dog in the safe box, but I, I did use them and they are huge marketing tools for me because everywhere I go, I've got my dogs. And sometimes, you know, if I take my hat off and put my field clothes on, some people don't even know who I am. <laughs> I've had that happen before and people are like, Oh my God. Um, so I don't know. Just the dogs bring so much into your life that I don't think people really expect when they get their first one. And then it's like, you'll never, you'll never be without a bird dog for the rest of your life. And, you know, I never thought that I was going to have a lab or run labs or get sucked into that world either. So I've learned the hard way to never say never. <laughs> it's, you know, it, we were, this is exactly what we were talking about right before the podcast. You know, we had such an incredible discussion about you can never, never tell where you're going to end up. Um, so never be afraid, like you said, to, to take mm-hmm. that chance, say that yes, because it could, you know what, it could be nothing. Like I could have started this podcast. 
I could have gotten 10 episodes in and, you know, I could still just, it could just be my mother listening or, you know, <laughs> it's just, she, I always, I always I say it. Your mom would listen. Mama, my mom still hasn't figured out what I do. She's like, <laughs> she's travel shooting that shotgun and all those dogs around. <laughs> I tell I tell you what, she is pretty much the first person to listen to every single one of my podcasts. Uh, I, <laughs> Sometimes I'll 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 go run into her and and I walked into walked into the house one day and sat there I'm like what is that then I realized it was my voice and I kind of <laughs> snuck around and she was she was uh, at her little vanity doing her hair and and uh, listening to the pod whatever podcast and and she does not hunt uh, you know she she's become a, a quite the country lady since uh, she's been up here but. Uh, you know, she raises chickens and all that, but she's my biggest supporter, but you know, that's really sweet. As I, as I said, you know, it, it could, it could literally be just that. And you know what? I'm all the better for it, but it can also turn into something incredible. And so taking that chance, taking that first step, you never know where it's going to take you, what you're going to end up doing. Suddenly you're traveling all over the country uh, with dogs doing wing shooting and seeing yourself on, on uh, up on posters. And <laughs> I know. And it is crazy. Those opportunities come and, and you never expect them. You know, I mean, you just meet the right person. You make that right connection. And um, over the last six months, I've had a lot of my partnerships change and it was, it was great to just take that next level and like dig in a little deeper and people that wanted to, you know, really plan for long-term and um, bite the bullet so that we can make a bigger difference. And so you're right. Like I, I never expected to have a hat line or sell coffee. I mean, like what? But when I sat down with these people and I realized that they had just as much pride and passion about their top quality products and then they appreciated our industry how do you say no it's like <laughs> heck yeah like you know when do we get started because especially for me a lot of my partners are outside of the industry so bringing new people with into the industry with that quality um i felt like was a bonus so um you know just expanded our outreach and education for what the wing shooting in the Upland community is about. So, you know, it, it was really cool for me to get those calls from people that weren't wing shooters that wanted to team up. So I think that's the biggest compliment of all when, when you're making waves like that and people um, appreciate the legacy that you're trying to build to keep this around. So, and I have two daughters that absolutely love it. So I want to fight tooth and nail to keep, keep shotguns and bird dogging around for a very long time. So how old are your two daughters? <laughs> one 17 and one six. So we, we got a, we got a bit of a range there. Mm -hmm. um, and they're, uh, and, and do they get involved? They Cause they're expensive. They're expensive. <laughs> yes. So my oldest daughter just finished up her senior year on the national youth leadership council with PF and QF. And that was an opportunity that she never saw coming because she was mainly a horse rider. She showed horses. She shot. She was a competitive shooter for about a year and really loved the hunting side more. But because of her horse schedule, you know, she was limited. 
on just travel and stuff. Well, when she got on the PFQF and the people that they have supporting their youth programs changed her life. So I'm so grateful for them because they made my parenting a lot easier, you know? <laughs> um, you know, and that, and there's just so many great things like that within the, the Upland industry that maybe parents don't know about whatever, but teaming up with these organizations that teach your kid about responsibility, just of life. Um, and then they're great people and the kids love them and they keep in touch with them and, and then they make friends all over the country. So they're exposed to different lifestyles and different opportunities. I mean, those, that's a really close knit group of kids. So they're getting an education that is literally priceless. So now she's committed to being in the ag industry for college and she's going to an ag school and uh, maybe even into law school. So I know that PF and QF and, and their mentors definitely have kept her focused on the outdoors. And she just went with me to a hunt in Alabama at Otter Creek a couple of weeks ago and hung out with, you know, major influencers there. The, the girls from Covey Rise Magazine, John's just got an amazing staff and they just took her in. And then Mary, who um, runs a store called Caliber, out of um, Birmingham. I partnered with them as well. And it, it was just a whole new group of people from the South that even though they're just the next state over, they still have a, a different story, you know? And so it was just another reiteration for her. So she just got an Aussie puppy because, you know, she's like the horse cattle girl. By the time that weekend was over, she said, I got the wrong dog. I'm going to have to sell this puppy. I'm going to have to get me a bird dog because I'm going to college in the South in quail country. And my job could be guiding. Well, the, the thing was that we hunted that day with Jill, who's the kennel manager at Otter Creek and JC watched her do her job and do it so well and enjoy it. I mean, she's watched me do it for how many years, but you know, I'm mom. And so that's just the, been the coolest thing about this industry is literally people all over the country have mentored her and shown her how to make it her own. So, um, you know, that's just something that you just value. I mean, yeah, I have great friends in here, but my friends also invest in my kids. And so you can't, like, you can't always say that, but it happens in the outdoor world. I mean, it's not specific to the upland industry, but that's just my bubble. And then the youngest one, she's bird dog crazy. She loves Dolly Parton. She has a two-year-old short hair named Dolly. (laughs) She's, um, bird dog tater on Instagram and she uh, has every single bit of goal of to being homeschooled and staying on the road. Like she is a professional road tripper. (laughs) That is awesome. She, yeah, she's shooting 410 and she just went to nationals, UFTA nationals with a buddy of mine. That's a trainer out of North Carolina. And she says that clay moose is her bestest bird dog buddy. So they decided she was going to run nationals in the youth when their youth program is huge. UFTA had tons of kids this year. It was really incredible to watch. And of course, you know, that's a, another great opportunity where you get like-minded people take your kid under their wing and allow them to like become independent. And so, um, I just walked around with my phone. Like I just played mom the whole time. Like I don't even think I packed a gun. So uh, yeah, clay shot for her and she ran one of his short hair. She ran her dolly and out of like 14 or 16 kids, the six-year-old handled two dogs and placed both dogs in the top 10. And she 
and the, you know, the boys beat her, but the boys could have been 16. You know, I mean, it was just incredible to watch a kid who goes to bed at night watching Rick and Ronnie Smith training videos. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know when this is all going to burn out, but you know, I mean, she just loves them and, and she gets it. So I don't pressure her into it, but if she wants to go, we just pack a bag and let her roll with it. So, yeah, I mean, it's really fun that you know, we, we do all this together or sometimes it's just me and JC. Sometimes it's just me and Hallie. Everybody has their own schedule. And so, yeah, we just, we're just the bird dog and girls. <laughs> Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com So for any of the ladies here listening to the podcast, um, I guess even the guys, you know, Say somebody wants to start getting into a, to wing shooting there, you know, maybe not even start starting in on the dogs yet. They're like, they're like, Whoa, what, where do, where do I even begin if I want to get yeah, into wing I mean, shooting? So the cool thing about this is I do probably get more messages on Instagram from men messaging me on how to gear my wife up because want the best gear for her because I want her to join me in the field. And so I should probably do a whole big long post about don't be scared texting, just go, you know, it's so much fun. And and there's really like nothing to hold you back. Um, is it easy in the beginning shooting moving targets? No, but there's a process of making it where you're you're totally comfortable and and have your confidence. So um a, apparel is it's just a struggle for everybody. I mean, you know, I'm here with these troweling guys and they need specific equipment because we're, we're literally hunting planted birds on the clock and you can waste a lot of time if your gear isn't easily accessible. Okay. Or if you don't have the right straps for your um, transmitter or, you know, if things just don't fit you right. So when you, when you take it in the guys, are having complaints. <laughs> There's like no hope for us girls, right? So um, I, I've teamed up with Caliber because, you know, it's a lifestyle store, but they also do hunting stuff. And they have a great line. Um, you know, we're, we're promoting the, the Purdy Upland clothing. So it really depends on what you're hunting, where you are, because, you know, all the regions have different cultures. Now, typically... Um, me being in the South, I'm living in Chippewa boots. Like this girl's seen too many snakes. I don't even chance it. Um, I've got my Chippewas on and I typically wear jeans every day. I just wear my favorite jeans. I had chaps custom fitted for me, uh, just by my local seamstress. I mean, you just have to make things work. There's no right or wrong way of wearing upland gear. The only thing is we just wear blaze orange. And, you know, and there's no specific blaze orange. Like you don't have to have, I don't know, the, the cool trend upland gear, whatever that may be. I mean, as long as you're just getting outdoors and, and you're comfortable, that's what matters. I mean, I don't always wear an upland brand per se, because 
having the mobility and the flexibility of shooting and bagging birds and temperature wise, I mean, we just are limited. And so I just, I just hate the fact that everybody focuses on that first. It's like, just be comfortable, wear what you're comfortable in, make sure you're legal and have a good time. Now there are brands that I've partnered with, of course, that I find to be um, more acceptable, you know, like with Purdy, I do appreciate the tailored and the old school traditional um, clothing. But when I'm out here trialing, I might have on an Under Armour sweatshirt and a t-shirt, you know, like over and under t-shirt or something like that. So that's what I'm saying. Like there's just no right or wrong way. I think with wing shooting, especially there's, there's, there's a few areas of hunting where you get, you can get a little bit romantic about it sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. you look at like the Western archery elk hunting up in the mountains and there's a very definite picture in your mind. And I think wing shooting is another one of those things to where you can get really traditional and romantic about it. Get this picture in your mind. And, and there's, there's something fun about, about being part of that. And it connects you uh, I, I feel like with so much of this and, and riding the wagon and the, in the pines and yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why I partnered with Greeley Hatworks on a hat line because we did not have that quality within our industry. And I've worn a hat my whole life, you know, before I was a wing shooter. And so I'm with you on it. And, and that's my normal life. So of course I tend to gravitate towards that, but I'm recognizing that there are, there are not as many people that I come across that have experienced that. And so, like you said, I mean, it's, it's kind of like a fairy tale life. Um, and it is something that everyone should experience once because you can't put into words what it feels like to walk through that history. So I'll admit, you mentioned, you mentioned the hats. I've got to admit that uh, I, I had your website opened here. And while we were talking, I had popped up the hats. And it's been very hard for me not to be distracted <laughs> because I'm absolutely in love with this line of hats. Um, okay, so Robbie didn't send you the picture with his new plantation? No, I'll have to, I'll have to look for that. But I'm... Yeah, Jesse's been rocking Sand Hills. And, um, and so... I guess Robbie got sick of watching all of Jesse's really cool pictures and decided he was going to jump on the hat bandwagon too. And so he just got one and it looks great. I mean, it, it's a great fit. And the thing about the hats is that they can be customized. So you can buy them just like you see them, or you can call it Greeley Hat Works. You can have custom fits. You can, uh, I mean, like my name's in all my hats because I was measured. Mm-hmm. And so it actually fits my head. It's not just a standard size. The sky is the limit with creating what you want and having that family story and that traditional piece that's going to last for generations. And I just, I bought into that, but I'm Southern straight from Georgia. So it was just bred into me. Uh, Well, and it's, you know, I've had my fair share of hats and I, I still got my grandpa's straw hat and stuff. It doesn't quite fit me, but I've been, I've kind of been at the point right now where I'm like, I want to get a really nice, really custom hat. Uh, I want to invest in one that I, that I can keep for a long time and it's quality hat. And so uh, I think we recorded this podcast at just the right time because I'm, (laughs) I'm sitting here and I'm like, and I, to be honest, like I've always considered hunting in a hat, pulling the gym shockey and, uh, and, and hunting in the cowboy hat. So I don't know, I'm going to, 
I, I might, I might be uh, putting a little bit of extra money aside every month and seeing, uh, <laughs> seeing where this takes me. Well, okay. So this totally goes back to what women should wear, right? So if you're, well, I will say it kind of shocked me, um, you know, coming out of the horse world, we have cows at home. When I travel across the country, it blows on how many shotgun people are cattle people or horse people. So they already have a comfort zone with their attire, you know? And it's like, why do we need to change just because we're a wing shooter? Yeah. I mean like brush pants and stuff. I mean, there are things that make our life easier that we need gear wise, but it's not, it's, I just think there's just been so much pressure put on to having that specific look so that you look the part so that you can go build your skills. And it's really just about the experience. So, yeah, I mean, that was the one thing, too. It's like, well, you know, everybody's wearing their cowboy hats. And let's just switch it up and bring back that upland look a little bit where they can still keep their traditional hats and that quality. So, I mean, you can be, if you get caught in the rain or whatever and your hat loses shape, you can take it to your local hat maker. They can reshape it for you or you can... I mean, I would recommend shipping it back to Greeley because they know exactly what it was supposed to look like if you loved that look. Um, but this hat's going to be usable forever. I mean, you trash it, gets ran over by a truck, ship it back to Greeley, they're going to they're gonna rebuild the whole thing. So, yeah, I mean, it was really cool that Trent recognized, I mean, all the things that he does from Yellowstone to other movies that, I can't even list. I mean, he's built hats for presidents, country music stars, ball players. I mean, I just think the list is endless of who he built hats for. And he wanted to get into the outdoors and he's not a big hunter or anything, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. he just values the, he values the standards of our industry. So I was like, this is just the coolest thing ever. And he actually went with me. We had, um, a booth at Fest, the coffee guys came, Trent came, and the the response that we got from the attendees visiting blew my mind because everybody was all about just sharing stories. And like you said, you know, having your grandpa's hat on the wall and stuff, it brought back a lot of memories for people that maybe they don't think about every day. And then it was like, you know, our, this was important to me. It was just a hat, you know, but it brought back so much more. And, um, so I was just really proud to have brought that into the industry and Trent wanted to team up with us and he has just such an incredible product that I'm just really proud to put these out there. I'm, I have a feeling I'm going to be spending a lot of the time looking at these <laughs> and it's going to, it's a difficult decision. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to sit on the website for a bit after we're done recording. And, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so as we're winding down, you know, we've talked a little bit about this, you know, people getting started in wing shooting, but, you know, say, say you're out somewhere, you know, and, and somebody approaches you, maybe they recognize you, maybe they just recognize that, that you're a hunter and, and they say, you know, Hey, I, I don't have any background in this. I didn't, I didn't grow up with any friends or family that hunted. I, you know, I just, I've never done it, but it seems so exciting. It seems like something I'd really want to get into, but there's too much to learn. I'm too intimidated. What, uh, what advice or words of wisdom, encouragement would you give that person? 
So there, there are so many organizations. Well, PFQF does a great job of putting together like their banquets, which is a great place to go. You're, you're giving money to an amazing cause and you're in a room of like-minded individuals that are experienced. So that's a great place to find a mentor. Then when it comes to shooting skills, the thing I can say about that is I would, I would talk to several instructors until you find the one that speaks your language and that understands where you want to go with it. And also has the reputation of somebody that you want to be like one time a lady told me she was giving me life advice. And she said, I, I wouldn't take advice from somebody I wouldn't trade shoes with. And I've just tried to live by that, you know, because that constantly has you up in your game. So, you know, you just make sure that you really understand who you're dealing with before you make those commitments. Because the, I think the worst thing that shooters can do is hop around for instructors because everybody has their own way of doing things. So if you have to start with one person and then you go to the next person and then you kind of start from their basics, it's like you're not really getting further along. You know, gun fit, God, we could talk an hour just about that. That's been a huge thing for me is finding that right, the right gun. And I finally did that. I just partnered with Rosini and my coach had already told me before I was even talking with them about how we could work together, that that was the gun for me. We picked it up. Um, I, I had him go with me to do the measurements and, um, just picking up a gun in a gun store is really hard to, to say that's going to work. And so getting your hands on as many guns as possible is, is the key. And that's really hard too for people getting started that don't have that circle of friends or whatever, but that that's the main key is making sure that you have the proper gun so that your sight picture is right. Cause there's nothing worse than just having the wrong fitted gun and know exactly what you're doing, but not understand that the only reason you're missing is because your eyes not aligned with the barrel. And that just brings so much disappointment and discouragement that people quit before they get started. And they, they really were doing what they were supposed to do, right? They just had their own tool. So, um, you know, that's one thing that I really wish people would stress for the new shooters is that you got to try multiple guns. You can't just pick up one just because you miss everything it doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad shot. So, um, you know, and then the more you shoot, of course, the more confidence you're going to have, the, the more you're going to feel confident carrying a gun in a field. Um, that's where I really feel like the organizations that are hosting hunts where, you know, you're doing the R3 movement or um, just your mentor programs help. And then once you go through that and you go to the next level, those preserves, they're perfect place to go. Um, outfitters and preserves, they're equipped with dogs. If you don't already have a dog, they're equipped with knowledgeable people. They're equipped with guns. Um, you literally just show up and have a good time. And somebody is there to coach you along the way, teach you field etiquette and safety and, you know, educate you about gun dogs. Cause you know, once you figure out which gun you, you want to shoot or whatever, and then you want to get into dogs. Well, that's just the same thing. I mean, you got to know what kind of dog is going to fit your lifestyle and your personality and how you want to hunt and where you live. And so, you know, there's just so many options that I think that that can cause some overwhelming feelings for the newbies. But at the same time, like 
there's not a bad one. I mean, you get a good gun fit and then who cares if you end up with 10 dogs? Who cares? It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, and that's the whole thing is just, just finding a group of people that you feel confident with and just going, you just got to jump in the deep end of the pool and, and get started. And then, you know, like our whole talk has been about life is going to take you where you need to go. So you just got to be ready. I'm, I'm actually writing that down right now. Cause I really, really like that line. <laughs> Life oh. is going to take a, you where you need to go. You've just got to be ready. That needs to be a meme or a t-shirt or something with your picture on no. it. So <laughs> it's a story of my life. I just show up, just show up and give it my best. So if folks want to find you online, follow along with all the shooting, all the adventures, where, where's the best place to check you out? Uh, my website is com, and Instagram is Outdoors. Fantastic. Well, I will make sure to link to all of that on the show notes page. Definitely going to be linking to those hats. <laughs> and I thank you so much for taking the time uh, to hop on with me. Really enjoyed our chat. Yeah, me too. I appreciate it. All right, y'all. That'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure you check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next week. But until then, I hope this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6'8 Western. I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.